Let's, let's pray together. Father, we come in view of the great wonders that you have done on the cross. In view of the power of the cross this morning. And what wonders you will do with your children. For those who trust you and follow you. And so help us this morning. We pray that faith would abound in us. That you work in our hearts this morning, we pray. And so help us as we turn to your word. Lighten our paths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles there to Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Continue our study walking through this letter to the Galatians. So imagine a grand building. It was built without any consideration of cost or expense. It is a monument of grandeur, of elegance, and ingenuity. Even from a far distance, you can see it for miles around. And at night, its exterior lights light up the night sky. However... There are a number of problems with this building. In fact, there are some big problems with this building. It was all a lie. The outside of the building was all these things. Grand, elegant, masterful. But the inside of the building was empty. Inside, there were no lights, no floors, no elegance. It was dark, lifeless, and ugly. But that isn't even the worst part. It's not the worst part about this building. The worst part is that the building is built on sand. On the outside, the building appears grand, but in truth... Oh my, it is a disaster, and it will fall. And the question isn't if it will, but the question is when it will. Well, this morning we come to a monumentally important passage. It is not like that building. Yet there are many who have built and built, and their house is indeed a house or a building built on the sand. And so this passage comes to us this morning as a call, as a declaration, as a calling that all of us would not have houses built on the sand, but built on the foundation that will never, ever falter fail, or fall. And so I pray that you would have that kind of house. 
with this kind of foundation. And so let's see this then beginning there with verse 11 this morning. May God bless the reading of his word. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our, de- in, a, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so the passage that Tyler read a moment ago provides a picture in many ways for what we have right here. No, we don't see anything about houses or sand. But right now, all around the world, there are countless people who are building spiritual houses, but they are building their houses on the sand. And so these verses, along with really right into chapter 3 and even all of chapter 3, they function sort of like building inspectors. They come looking at your foundations and they examine whether the building that you have built is is a building that is on the sand, i.e., it will fall, or if it's not. Those are the two options. And so they examine what sort of building then you have. And so with these verses, we come to the essential doctrine of justification by faith. And so this doctrine, it is so important that the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, he said of this doctrine, he said, this is the truth of the gospel. 
It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consisteth most necessary. It is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. Martin Luther had a way of saying things. <laughs> can be rather blunt, but he's right. We need this doctrine. We need to hear it again and again and again. And so we will not be shying away from these verses this morning. We will not be shying away from the doctrine of justification by faith this morning. And so as we dive into these verses then. First, we need to understand this word, justification. What does that word mean? What is meant by the word Paul uses here, justified? And so this word, it's talking about, well, a number of things, but behind it is righteousness. And not just a a kind of general sort of righteousness, but a righteousness that specifically comes from God. So justify a means to be declared righteous. It is a verdict by God himself on the basis of Christ. Vital that we hear that and we get that this morning. It is a verdict by God on the basis of Christ. And so here in verses 15 through 21, we have Paul continuing his words to Peter. So what did Peter do? We saw this last week, but Peter had withdrawn from the Gentiles out of the fear of men, out of fear of the circumcision party or the circumcision. And so in doing that, He was out of step with the gospel of grace. A gospel that doesn't come, the gospel of grace, a gospel that does not come with ladders to climb, but with a person in whom you are to believe. And so Paul then, he makes plain here, very important for us, that justification is not by works. Justification is not by works. So there were those who were indeed arguing something. Well, they were arguing this. Whether they admitted it or not. They were arguing that the law, all of it, was to be kept. Plus circumcision. Plus Jesus. (laughs) In doing all that then, then you could be part of the people of God or then, if you do all that right, oh, you can be saved. <laughs> wow, that doesn't sound like relief. Not at all. And so in this letter, with one point after another, Paul, he is demolishing every argument raised against the knowledge of God. And he doesn't back away from it. He doesn't say like, well, I don't know if you can handle this yet. He, he, he just comes in and he says, no way, I'm astonished 
They are so quickly deserting the gospel. And so he's making it abundantly clear that though him and Peter, they are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners, or we might think of that and think, okay, well, he's saying they're sinners and they're not sinners. He's not, he's not actually doing that. He's saying something specific here. He's saying that Gentile sinners or those who were not part of God's covenant people, not following the law, not following God's word. So they are sinners. We're Jews. We follow the law. We're part of God's people. That's what he's distinguishing here. And so he's saying that neither they, Jews, nor Gentiles, are justified by works of the law. Jews do not have another way to God outside of Christ. There is no other way to God. Period. And so what does he mean here by the law? He's not talking about American law. (laughs) So if you're thinking, okay, where did that come in? He's not talking about that. He's talking about God's law in the Old Testament. And he's really referring to the whole thing. The Pentateuch. Moral law, ceremonial law. And he's saying that that law, all of that, cannot save anyone. The law cannot make even one person righteous. And he doesn't just kind of want you to kind of get that. He wants you to see like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. The law cannot make you righteous. And so no, justification is only possible through faith in Christ. And so also they have believed and they were justified. Now in this, we need to understand that Paul isn't that saying here that faith is a work either, you know? Like, if I just muster up that faith and I have that faith to kind of, you know, put it in that slot, you know, if I have enough, then Jesus will save me then. And so faith just kind of becomes like works of the law then. He's not saying that either. All of this is grace. Every part of it. And so upon experiencing the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, think of Nicodemus and Jesus and, you know, there meeting at night. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. So being then born again in regeneration, we see Christ then as infinitely worthy, and then we gladly take hold of Christ by faith, and right there, and then before God, we are justified by God. And so Paul is calling for every wall that may be keeping us from Christ to be broken down. You are being called this morning to cast off all of your efforts to save yourself. It's my sincere hope this morning that you would not leave here with a fool's hope. It's my hope that you will not 
leave here this morning with a house that is built on the sand. And let me tell you this, and hear it well, that sandy house, there is no hope in it. It is a hopeless, no peace, no grace sort of house. If there is anything else apart from Christ that you are trusting Him for salvation, friends, that is a fool's hope. And your hope is built on the sand. Your building, it may look nice, but it's empty and it will not stand. So God, He is calling you to cast those off Cast off all of those things, all false, vain hopes that cannot and will not save. It is not through works of a law, nor perhaps a list of rules that you have made for your family or at home or for yourself that make you a Christian or religious or spiritual. It is not your consistency of time in Scripture, nor your time in prayer, nor you being here every single time the doors are open. It is not the depth of your knowledge, nor any amount of religiosity. It is not old-time religion. It is not tradition. None of these equal justified. In fact, they don't get you even an inch closer to God whatsoever. It is not your money. It is not your achievements. It is not your influence. It is not your upbringing. It is not about how much you do nor how much you give. If you have, your, if you have built your house on any of these, you have a house built on sand you're hoping at the end of your life people will come to your funeral and they'll say oh my he was a good person (laughs) she was a good person and you're banking on that you're saying oh yeah you see all those people they say I'm a good person so that means I must be good with God you know no it's a house built on sand You could have all variety of accolades to your name and you die. And if your house is built on sand, you are going away from God forever to face his judgment forever. Those do not save friends. And so instead of any of those or any I left out, to yourself, well, he didn't mention that one. I've still got that ladder, that rung I can climb. If it's anything, any of those things, other than Christ, it's a house built on sand. So instead of any of those, let Christ and him alone be the sole object of your faith the sole object of your face, the face, the faith, the person, Christ. Not just 
this kind of fabrication or some Christ you have devised, but the real and the living and the risen Christ, the God-man who came and died for you. He was buried and he rose again. He's alive right now. Him. Praise the Lord. Put your faith in Him. So right now, you need to flee your condemned house and trust wholly in Christ by faith. It is there and then, and in believing Jesus came to bear your sin in your place, to pay the penalty before God for all of your sins. All of them. Everyone. So His paying that penalty on the cross, His being buried, and his rising from the dead, and in believing and trusting in Christ, you will be saved. Amen. There is where your hope is to be. Just lift up your hands to him and let your life be his. Let go of all that stuff that you think will save you all those ladders you have surrounding your home or your heart, and you think those are going to get you there. Just Just throw them all away. They will not make you right with God. It is just Christ. Just take Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. And you will be saved. And there and then, and even now, if you have put your faith in Him, we then gladly say, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And so we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene who justified a sinner such as I, such as you, and such as us. Not because of me, not because of you, but because of Christ and Christ alone. And so it is then that Paul, he goes on here to magnify the reality that he and really any who are in Christ are right now alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. Now before he kind of fully just kind of stands in wonder and awe at this truth, which he'll do in just a second, before he does that, he must hammer home the point that there is no life in the law. There is no life in the law And so all of this then, you know, we sometimes can detach this from verses 11 through 14, but all of this he's kind of setting before Peter, answering from multiple angles why his drawing back, it gives no hope. There is no hope found within the law for salvation. And so his acting like a Jew adds nothing to a person's salvation. And so he answers what was likely another kind of argument being made here in verses 17 through 19. That if they sin in Christ, it makes Jesus then a servant of sin because they aren't keeping the law. Remember what he said a moment ago. He called Gentiles sinners. And he did that for a reason. So, in other words, he's saying here that 
that by not keeping the law, they're like Gentile sinners. Is that, what's, is that what is happening here? And so sinners, because they aren't like the Jews who God made his people and who keep God's law. And so Paul, he is admitting, yes, they're not Gentile sinners, but they are still sinners. The law has shown that if they sin, even if they sin as believers, it isn't because of Christ, it's because of them. So it's on them, it's not on Christ, and so it only further proves. And so Paul, he's arguing here very carefully. He wants to make clear as you're taking in all of the Old Testament and the law and everything else, all the history and everything else, the, all these things, the festivals, the law and everything else, the Day of Atonement, he wants to make sure they get it. It only further proves that the law, which they went back, if they went back to it, would only then say the same thing, that they are sinners and they are still unrighteous. And so the law from every angle cannot save, it cannot make them, it cannot make you righteous. In other words, they would still find no justification there. They would still find no life. It would be be like going back to that empty building built on the sand. No hope. And so it is that he writes here in verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And so the law, it showed him his own inadequacy and it pointed him away from the law to the one that he needed It pointed him to Christ. And so he's saying there is no life in the law. There is only life in Christ. And in Christ, then, he has life. He died in Christ. And now he is alive in Christ. His old self was a wretched self that required the death of the very Son of God to save. And so he just stands back now and he wonders and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So in view of this life, friends, may we stand firmly upon the righteousness that you have in Christ. This is why he says what he says there in verse 21. He isn't nullifying, he isn't neglecting or ignoring God's grace by trying to keep the law. It is in Christ that grace is found. Righteousness is found. Relationship with God is there. And it's not anywhere else. It's not in atheism. It's not in Islam. It's not in Hinduism. It's not in Buddhism. It's not in New Ageism. It's not in Christian science. It's not in Mormonism. 
It's not in Jehovah Witnesses or humanism. It's in none of those things. How many ways we devise to fool ourselves. What empty buildings we build. So let me urge you this morning to consider your building. Consider your building. If we are trusting in something else, perhaps adding something more, maybe you're leaning on your own efforts, then your building is empty. And what is it empty of? Righteousness. Righteousness. We haven't gotten one step, even one inch closer to God. Not even an ounce more righteous of our own hands and doings. And so there's not one atom of righteousness in that house built on the sand. And this is why Christ needed to die. We are unrighteous, but through faith in Christ, God, God declares us completely, fully, utterly righteous in his sight. Praise the Lord. Such that now in Christ, that once empty building is now full of righteousness. And it is full not of your righteousness, but it is full of His righteousness. It is full of the righteousness of Christ. A righteousness you can never have on your own. And so that sandy building is built no longer in danger of falling. It's built on the solid rock and it will not be moved. Why? Not because of you, but because there is no righteousness found through religion. There is no righteousness found through you. There is no righteousness found in or through the agendas, efforts, or aims of this world. Now you need to hear that one. Because they're saying that right now. Get on our side. Get on our side. It's all works. Gain favor with us from the world. It's none of those things. We have a gospel to preach right now in our day. It is only in Christ there is justification. And it is only through faith in Him that God then says over us, sinners, justified, righteous, forever. So it is only fitting this morning that we then do what Paul did here. And we wonder and we worship the Son of God. You know, even now, you could put your name there in these verses. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved Andrew and gave himself up for me. In him who lived and died for you, you died, and now you have life in him. Glory. Yeah. 
glory. May we then live as those justified and made alive in Christ. So if you know Christ this morning, he has made this forensic declaration over you righteous. Now we live and we walk and we breathe by faith in the Son of God. That means that these verses are on you. You have been crucified with Christ if you know Christ this morning. That life you have is no longer yours. It's His. Every part. And so every speck of your life is to be His. Your building is His. Your old life is over. Your new life has begun. You have a new nature. And you are a new creature in Christ. He is the grand solid rock of our lives upon which every sphere of our lives is built and is to be built to the glory of God. And so we can risk everything for His name. Because this life is not mine. It's His. And so over our families then, Christ. Over our marriages, your marriage, Christ. Over our singleness, Christ. Over our education, oh, not to me. Not to my name give glory, but to your name give glory. No one may ever know my name, but may they know the name of Christ. So over your life, Christ, over your possessions, that house, that car, Christ. Over aging, Christ. Over sickness, Christ. Over COVID, Christ. Not like the world, Christ. Over politics, not like the world, Christ. And over my life, and over my death, Christ. So we live to him. We die to him. And so may, may we live as those who are not dead, but who are alive in Christ. Because if you know him this morning, you are. That building isn't on sand. It's on the rock. So live that way. And declare this one gospel to all. Let's pray. Father, we come and we pray right now because I know that each of these things which we could, we've seen summed up in works of the law this morning, it may well be that we have done that. We have built our houses on sand. And it is not for us this morning just to simply say, oh no, I'm not going to consider my house. Oh, woe to us if we do that. 
test yourselves and make sure you're in the faith. We're commanded in Scripture by Paul and Corinthians. So may we consider our houses this morning. What are they? What have we built them on? Right now, if you're here, just examine your heart. Examine your life. Examine your house. Don't think back at someone. Or think back even to a time when you came forward to this, the altar, or raised your hand, or prayed a prayer. You need to ask the question, is my foundation Christ and faith in Him? So, Father, we pray that you would help each of us to do just this, examine ourselves. I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you this morning. They've realized that their house is indeed built on the sand, that they would throw off that old building, and they would flee and run to Christ, the solid rock, and they would be saved pray for them this morning that you would help them to believe. We pray for each of us as we live in our day. Yes, in a day of much trouble, much sickness, much toil and much debate and division. Woe to us, O Lord, if we do not have over our lives Christ. Woe to us if we are not declaring to all the life that is found in Christ and Christ alone. Help us to live as those who have been made alive in Christ. Our life does not belong to this world. It does not belong to any person here. It belongs to him. Help us live this way. May we examine our lives this morning. May we indeed say, it's not us, yet not I, but Christ, but Christ in me. In Jesus' name, amen.